My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. Our Sunday School is part of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. To prepare for this lesson, please go to OurSundaySchool.com for a copy of today's handout. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Our Sunday School. Glad you guys are with us today. We're in Colossians chapter 1. And uh, I was telling Julie last night that I might have enough content today for two lessons, which means I probably have enough for four. Uh, So the scripture that we're going to see on the screen in just a minute is likely not what we're all going to get through today, but that'll be all right. So uh, it'll be okay. So Colossians chapter uh, 1, what page are we on today, Dave? Is that page 80 uh, in your teal book? So if you're going to head over there. And uh, I'll read through Colossians chapter 1 and a little bit of chapter 2. It was an exciting week last week at our house because uh, Black Friday and Cyber Monday and all the things uh, that you guys get excited about, I get excited about because my favorite publishers also do deals. So um, it was a... A wonderful time at the Fleming House, and this week what has happened is uh, books have been arriving, and it is just like, I don't know when the 12 days of Christmas start, but they have started at my house, so we are are happy. Uh, So hopefully that worked out well for you, but uh, let's read through Colossians chapter 1. So Colossians 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, and Timothy our brother, To the saints in Christ at Colossae who are faithful brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints because of the hope reserved for you in heaven. You have already heard about this hope in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. It is bearing fruit and growing all over the world, just as it has among you, since the day you heard it and came to truly appreciate God's grace. You learned this from Epaphras, our dearly loved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has told us about your love in the Spirit. For this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, And by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, 
and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated and hostile in your minds as expressed in your evil actions, but now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. If indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard. This gospel has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and I, Paul, have become a servant of it. Now, I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for his body, that is, the church. I have become its servant, according to God's commission that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, warning and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I labor for this, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. For I want you to know how greatly I am struggling for you, for those in Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me in person. I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Amen. So if you're on page 80 in your teal books, uh, we'll pick up with verse uh, 21 today. Uh, and let's take a look at what we might get to and what we might not. Um, sometimes it makes me chuckle what I notice and when I notice it. And it was actually just yesterday that I noticed how long of a verse verse 23 actually is. So if you are uh, savvy about scripture memorization, um, verse 23 starts right here and goes to the end of this. Par- You're like, that's a lot. So... I doubt we're picking up this one in cubbies, but if we are, that's cool too, because that's an important doctrine that we might get to today. So today, once you were alienated and hostile in your minds as expressed in your evil actions, but now, do you see the shift here? Once you were, but now, so the shift in his tone uh, and his focus, but now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless and blameless before him now this holy faultless and blameless um, if i said if i said i like you i love you and you're awesome is there any overlap between those concepts you're like yeah right um there is a lot of overlap. We call it semantic range. The semantic range of holy, faultless, and blameless, there's a lot of overlap. And if you were to read this verse in different translations, you would, might even see the words rearranged because specifically faultless and blameless are almost synonyms uh, in the Greek. So when we get to that and it sounds like I'm saying the same thing again, it's because there's a lot of overlap there. Uh, so holy, faultless, and blameless before him, if indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard. This gospel has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and I, Paul, have become a servant 
of it. All right, let's take a look. So, page 80. About a third of the way down the page there. Once you were. How long could we hang out right there? A hot minute, right? Once you were. Now, Miss Gracie, if I was a preacher, that would be enough for a whole sermon. I am not a preacher, and that's okay. Uh, but once you, is this you singular or is this you plural? This is a plural you, right? So this is back to the church at Colossae here. You were. What, tell me about that verb. What do you notice about that verb? Can we go to the next slide there? Thanks. What do you notice about that verb? It's a what? It's a present active participle. Does anybody remember what that magic phrase means? It's continued action in the present, right? And it's, it's continuous, 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 continuous. Once you were alienated. This, this is the habit. This present active participles are habits, are way of lives. This is the norm. This is, the, this, was, this is what the default setting was. One of the things that I always just turn my head at just a smidge when I see a newborn baby, and I'm going to press hard against some of your theology for just a second. Uh, when I see a newborn baby and somebody says, aww, it's a perfect little, and I'm like, not exactly. Because when we're born, are we born into righteousness or are we born into sin? We're born into sin, right? And that sin has a result of our relationship. The result of that sin in our relationship is alienation. And there's a lot of conversation that has gone on in our country in the last several years about uh, aliens. And I don't mean the kind in the sky. <laughs> I mean the kind that uh, come across borders. And the reality is, I don't know that I could find a better visual picture than we're the aliens in the family without our Lord Jesus Christ. Like, we're not part. We're estranged. The other translations for this are to estrange away. You, you may have a different translation that you read, and that's the way this would be translated. But my application here... Oh, so let's look at this word alienated for just a second, too. So this is a perfect passive participle. You're like, perfect passive participle. That's hard to even say, right? So perfect is action that's completed in the past that has results that are in the present. So this makes sense, right? So we have sin that has been completed in us in the past and it has effects felt in the present and it's passive. So what do we have to do to, to have the effects of sin felt in our lives? Nothing. It's the default setting, right? When you come from the factory, this is the setting. Alienation. And <laughs> in our modern culture, telling someone that their baby is not perfect will get you kicked out of the room faster than any other... So let's just... I'm, I'm not going to press into that any further. So 
my application here at the bottom of page 80 is pre-reconciliation. And again, I have no idea how to spell reconciliation. It's probably on the page somewhere. Pre-reconciliation, estrangement was normal. Pre-reconciliation, estrangement was normal. And I don't know if you've ever had a personal relationship with somebody that's estranged or a family relationship with somebody that's estranged. It is not fun. Like There is no part of that that is fun in any way, shape, or form. It is tragic every single day because you can't get away from it. And until something happens, until something proactively happens, like, say, verse 20 through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross, the estrangement continues. So my personalization for this, and I think there's probably a lot, but the one that I'm going to hammer a lot today, is thank God for our Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) What a Savior. If it weren't for our Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross, we'd still be estranged. We'd still be aliens. Yes, this is good news. You're like, why do they call the gospel good news? Because it is. (laughs) It's great news. So once you were alienated, and not just that, you go to, page 81 in your teal books there's more <laughs> we we sometimes like to really lean into the yay jesus is great well, i'm going to lean into the yeah we're not today for just a minute um you were alienated and hostile so it's not just a i'm in the wrong place with the wrong relationship it's i am actively taking up opposition to god and what he desires for his kingdom Now, when Paul uses this hostile word, again, pull back to verse 20, what does Jesus do? He makes peace. And he's not making peace. So don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying he's making peace between uh, a holy God and a pacifist objector. He's making peace between a holy God and a hostile alien who is antagonistic toward the holy God. So this is not an easy peacemaking assignment. I don't know if you've ever gone into a room for business or family and had to make peace between two groups that were not at peace. And there are different levels of being not at peace, right? There's the, yeah, I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to hold my peace. That's not really holding your peace. That's holding our bitterness is probably a closer term for it, right? And then there's the, we're actively griping at each other and then there's the both sides have guns and we're shooting this is the i look at the definitions here i hate the second one is odious anybody know what odious means you stink anybody ever told you you stink like if i if i came up to you zeke and i said zeke you stink like that is that's pretty offensive, right? It's, it's, pretty, it's an odious way to respond, right? Yes, absolutely. Hostile, an enemy. This word is used of Satan as he is enemy of God. This is not light, 
Like, oh, everybody's great. Not really. Not without Jesus. So, so we're aliens and we're hostile. So how are we hostile here? Hostile in your minds. So when I said just a minute ago with guns, this is not with guns. This is the way that we think. So please understand. I, rubber band stretches and contracts sometimes here. So hostile in your minds. And this is actually in your mind. It's a singular both. Uh, as expressed in your evil actions. So the way we think obviously impacts the way that we act. That makes sense. What I think about, I sometimes end up doing. There we go. So my application at the bottom of page 81 here is pre-reconciliation. We're going to use that term a lot today. Hostility of thought was normal. So on page 80, it was pre-reconciliation. Estrangement was normal. On page 81, pre-recognition, pre-reconciliation, hostility of thought was normal. So what do you think we ought to do? Thank God for our Lord Jesus Christ. So pre-reconciliation, hostility of thought was normal. That's a sad state, isn't it? Like, it's, just, it's just broken. When you hear somebody describe the world as broken, this is the brokenness. Like This is the brokenness that it looks like. It's not just the earth itself. Like We are broken. And if it wasn't for our Lord Jesus Christ, we'd still be hostile in our thoughts toward God. What a Savior. This is amazing. So top of page 82, he says, as expressed in your evil actions. What's the Greek word there for actions? Say it louder. Ergon, yes. What does that sound like? Sounds like ergonomics, right? Yes, it's the word for work. It's the normal, generic, average, regular, old, typical word for work. And it is a, uh, I hate to say it's a bland word, it's a generic word. It can be applied in a lot of different situations. It can be applied in what you go do for your job. It can be applied for what you do as you go about your day. It can be applied for what you do as you are in your home. It can be applied for what you do for the Lord. It's, it's just a generic word for work. And I'm kind of terrified that Paul doesn't put any restrictions on this word. Right? It's almost as if, it's almost as if this uh, alienation, this sin nature, this hostility of mind affects all of our lives hmm it's almost as if it's a total uh, amount of impact that has occurred that our total depravity we could even say perhaps of what is going on we are just not good apart from our lord jesus christ So my application at the bottom of page 82 is pre-reconciliation. Hostility of action was normal. Hostility of action was normal. Dave, we've lost the connection again this morning, so I don't know what's going on, but it's a little wonky. So I'm still recording here, so we'll be able to post this later, but it's it's kind of broken. So what do you think we ought to do with that?
thank God for our Lord Jesus Christ. Otherwise, we'd still be hostile in our actions. Right? All right, you ready? Everybody feeling pretty low right now? You feeling pretty good about yourselves? Woo, we're amazing. Aren't we just awesome? No, we're not. <laughs> it's like the opposite of the Lego movie this morning. Um, everything is not awesome. <laughs> everything is terrible. Everything is broken. It's actually on fire. We just can't see it. It's ridiculously bad. But Paul doesn't leave us there, does he? Thank God for verses like verse 22. Good gracious life. But now, so we're calling back to verse 20. He has reconciled. Whew. There we go. All right. Hope, 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 hope. And boy, are you going to hear about hope this morning. I am, I can't tell you how excited I am about what y'all are going to get to experience here in a few minutes in our worship service today. But um, I got a preview of the sermon earlier this week and whew, he's got both barrels loaded full of gospelicious goodness coming our way. So you just get ready. It's about to be amazing. Absolutely amazing. So, but now he has reconciled. Who's the he? Jesus. Jesus has reconciled you. And the you is actually not there. It's just implied. But this reconciled is this active reconciliation. This is not a passive reconciliation. This is not accidental. This is active work that our Lord Jesus Christ did and it sounds really, really similar to Ephesians chapter 2 that I think I read last week. This uh, verse 16, uh, he, Jesus, did so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. You're like, wait, 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 wait. Who was hostile though? We were. He put the sin that was causing our alienation and hostility to death. Well, it sounds like that's what we needed, doesn't it? Yeah, that's exactly what we needed. It's incredible, both the depravity of man and the comprehensiveness of the salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we need, and that's what he did. And it's utterly, utterly beautiful. So... Whose work is reconciliation? Jesus' work, right. So bottom of page 82, my second application. Reconciliation is our Lord Jesus Christ's work. Reconciliation is our Lord Jesus Christ's work. Reconciliation is our Lord Jesus Christ's work. So I'm going to thank God for our Lord Jesus Christ. Because otherwise, we'd still be unreconciled. And I don't know about you, I don't like things to be unreconciled. When things are unreconciled, things are out of balance. Things don't tie out. Things don't agree. Things don't foot. Things don't add up. Things don't align. Things are out of order. Things don't fit. Things are broken still. It's not a fun way to live. It's a disordered, unstructured, aggravating broken way to exist so he has reconciled you by his and then we get to these beautiful words on page 83 physical body
Jesus had to have a physical body. He had to have a physical body. We don't get around that. If our Lord Jesus Christ doesn't have a physical body, he's not a human representative. And he is not an adequate sacrifice for the sin of humanity. And in his body is where that reconciliation occurred. Because his body is the sacrifice for our sin. So what happened to his body, according to Colossians 1.22? Death. It died. Yeah. So the big takeaway for this page on page 83 is our Lord Jesus Christ's physical body died. It died. Which seems really sad. It seems tragic. It seems terrible. Until we consider... What it actually accomplished. It accomplished everything we need. Because if our Lord Jesus Christ doesn't accomplish salvation for us, then the only way for us to pay for our sin is eternally paying for our sin. Like Christ either pays for it instantaneously on the cross or we pay for it eternally through suffering in hell. But somebody's got to pay. So you better thank God for our Lord Jesus Christ. Because not only did he enable us to be reconciled to the Father, not only did he enable us to not have hostile thoughts in our, resulting in our evil actions to God, he enabled us to not have to pay for our sin eternally, which is just unbelievably good news. So let me ask you this. Was there any other way to make this happen? No. Our Lord Jesus Christ's physical body had to die. That's what had to happen. And you're like, this is heavy. Yes! Like, the greatest... I've spent a lot, of time, a lot of my life studying the structure and the nature of story and how stories work and the architecture and the framework and the components of what a good story is. And... Uh, the stories that we tend to resonate with the most involve characters who want something and overcome great opposition to get it. Right? And we sometimes read the Bible like we're the hero of the story and the reality is we're, 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 like, we're the thing that needs to be reconciled. <laughs> we're not the hero. Right? God is the hero of the Bible and desires right relationship with man and overcomes great opposition of sin through the person and the work of Jesus Christ, to obtain us what he desires and have a right relationship with him. And the deeper and the, the rougher and the more, more difficult and painful, the agony that the main character endures, the more we resonate with the beauty and the grandeur of the story itself. Think about your favorite movie or your favorite book. The main character didn't have a, like, oh, there's a hangnail. What am I going to do? No, 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 no. There was tragedy. There was trauma. There was drama. There was all sorts of opposition that occurred. And the hero overcomes. Because the darker the night, the lighter the morning. And what does Jesus take to the cross? All of our sin. All of it. 
Not most, not the majority, all of it. And it's unbelievable. But wait, there's more. You ready to turn the corner? Let's turn the corner. Because you know what Jesus does? This is amazing. This is, page 84 is utterly... Like this, the kids today would call this extra, right? Um, it's just... It's, I don't want to say God's work is ridiculous. This is borderline ridiculous. Okay? Because remember, we're aliens. We're hostile in our minds and in our thoughts. We're antagonistic and attacking in our actions, we're unreconciled without the work of Christ. And Christ reconciles us and then does like this. Page 84. To present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. And the him there is the Father. Like, what? And this word present... <laughs> Do you know what it means? It means to exhibit, to show off, to, to, to say this. What's the thing you're most proud of in your entire life that you've created? The thing that if you got the opportunity, you would go, hey, let me show you this. This is pretty cool. Do you know what the only thing that I can find in the scripture that God says that he exhibits is where Christ exhibits us. Seriously? Like, us? The unreconciled aliens who were hostile have now been made holy, faultless, and blameless because of what our Lord Jesus Christ did. And he doesn't just exhibit us in the back room of the corner of the outhouse of heaven. He exhibits us in front of who? The Father. Like, who do you show the thing that you are the most proud of to? The most important person you have. So, inter-Trinitarian conversation, <laughs> which is just a mind-blowing concept. Like, I, my brain hurts, and I get terrified. I'm going to say something heretical every time I go here. So, I'm going to be real gentle. But the Son exhibits His bride to His Father. Because who was the first person you wanted to show off your spouse to? Whoever is most important in your life. Probably somebody in your family. Hey, look, 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 look! And not just a look and please ignore all the flaws. Holy. This is the Spirit of God telling Paul what to write faultless. The, another way to say this is blameless or irreproachable. There is, there is unblemished. Why are we unblemished? Because we worked really hard, right? 
No, 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 no. When we work really hard, all we're doing is heaping more blemishes on us, right? We are, we are like put the shovel down kind of stuff, right? Like we are unblemished because of the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because his blood washes us clean, not our evil works. You see, our Lord Jesus Christ puts on an exhibit of his holy and blameless work, his own. It's unbelievable. This word faultless, uh, amamos, shows up a couple of times in the scriptures. I'll read you a few of them. Ephesians 1, verse 4. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. So this wasn't a, hey, we're halfway through the plan. Let's call an audible here and let's change it up and let's, let's make them holy and blameless too. Wouldn't that be cool? Like, no, 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 no. Before all things... I don't know how far I have to go to before all things. But before all things, the decision was made back here. So that when we got all the way over here, we'd be holy and blameless. Do you see the breadth of God's love? In math, we call that an infinite solution set. It covers all points. It's beautiful. Philippians 2.15. Watch me not be able to find Philippians now. Wouldn't that be funny? Philippians 2.15. So that you may do everything without grumbling and arguing, so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world. Do you know why we shine? It's because we're on exhibit. And Jude 24, which is probably my favorite way to end any church service ever. I just, I don't know where I fell in love with Jude, but I fell in love with Jude. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy. When we stand before God, there is no blemish, and there is great joy. And it makes sense that there will be great joy because there's no blemish. <laughs> because if there's a blemish and we're standing before God, that's a problem. Like, this is, this is not a good spot to be in. So you're holy and faultless, and we got one more at the top of page 85, and blameless. This is unaccused. This is the word for, that is used when elder and deacon uh, qualifications. The person who that in the context of this word, nobody can hurl an accusation at that is rational or reasonable. And in the context of what is happening right here, the son is exhibiting to the father his bride. And between the son and the father, neither of them can hurl an accusation against the bride. We're good. Because if there's no condemnation from the Father, if there's no condemnation from the Son, and if the Spirit is doing the preservation work that He does, 
the whole trinity is involved here. Holy and blameless before him. This word before, is a, it's a goofy word. It's actually a compound word. It means directly in front of. And the only times it is used in the New Testament is when something is directly in front of God. So, when we, one day, stand in front of the Father, and because of the work of the Son, are holy and faultless and blameless, there will be great joy. So, how about we start the joy now? Knowing where we're going to land knowing that it was started before all things and it will endure to the end of all things. That is good news. That's what I've been sitting on for like a week and a half now. So I am so grateful to have that out. This is good stuff. All right, so we didn't get to verse 23 at all. So Lord willing, next week we'll look at verse 23 uh, and we'll go from there. So does that sound good? Yes? All right, so your, your weekly update is wrong already, but it's okay. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. I just have to tell myself it'll be okay. <laughs> All right, so on your, on your handout, you should have uh, prayer requests there, so uh, please pray over those as a group. And then when you're done, uh, you are free to go and to worship this one who has done all of this for us. And not just for us, but to us, which is amazing as well. So thanks for coming today, guys. Thanks for engaging. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, YouTube channel, and weekly email. You can subscribe to all three of those at OurSundaySchool.com. Grace and peace to you.